we're going to continue a series here that we've been doing. We're doing a series entitled Hosanna. We're going into the second part of this series. Uh, we talked about Hosanna meaning God save us. That We talk about this scripture where Jesus is entering into Israel uh, or Jerusalem, and they're laying down these palms on Palm Sunday is what we now refer to it as, and they're hollering out, um, Hosanna, save us. They're talking about this Savior that is coming to change and save their lives. And so now we move from Palm Sunday, which was last uh, Sunday, to moving into Resurrection Sunday, where Jesus has died on the cross and raised from the grave. Um, I want you guys to turn to the book of Mark, uh, the 16th chapter, whether you have your Bible or have an app or a tablet or whatever, please scroll through, flip through to the book of Mark. And while you're doing that, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Father God, it's by your grace, it's by your mercy that you love us, that you uh, cast your affections for us, Father. And so, God, open up our hearts and our ears to receive your word, to receive your truth, and that we'd walk in your precious ways, that we'd know you and experience you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you would stand with us as we honor God's word and read. Uh, we'll be reading through the book of, excuse me, chapter Mark, Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe. And they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as it was told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Amen. You guys may be seated. You may be seated. What's going on? What's going on is that um, Jesus has been betrayed. Jesus has been um, beaten. Jesus has been accused. Jesus has been beaten again. He has been flogged. He's been placed on a cross He's been crucified for your sins and for my sins, uh, for the things that we've done wrong. Uh, he took the punishment and the price for us. He's laid in a grave, and three days later, um, it says that these women were coming to pour these spices over his body, to kind of wash this body. Uh, and when they go in there, they go to the tomb, the stone's been rolled away, and they find this man in white, an angel that begins to talk to them and says, listen, I need you to understand something. Don't be upset. Don't be worried. Don't be discouraged. Um, this Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He's raised from the grave. And I want you to go tell his disciples, and I want you to tell Peter. I want you to tell them where he is and that he's okay and that he'll meet them there just like he said before. What's significant about this is, is that the angel doesn't just have a message that Jesus has risen from the grave. He has a message for two specific audiences. I want you to catch what I'm saying. He doesn't just have a message that Jesus has risen from the grave, but he has a message for two specific audiences. And I believe that you and I fall in one of these two audiences that he's referring to, if not both of them, at some point in time in life. I want to share with you 
both of those audiences that this message of salvation is for, that this message that Jesus has come back alive, that Jesus is here for us. The first audience that I want to share with you is that he talks about the deserters. Mark 16, verse 7, reads just like this. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He says, I want you to go and tell his disciples. It's important that you understand that these disciples have been with Jesus for the last three years. They've seen him do miracles. He's raised people from the dead. They've seen him um, begin to do all kinds of wonderful things, teach in different and unique kind of ways that change the lives of people. And these disciples, when it comes down to it, had the last supper with Jesus, which we now call communion. They had the last supper with him, and then Jesus goes out into the garden, and he begins to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking God if there's any other way to, to save the world besides hanging on the cross. Could you please help me out? He prays for one, two, three hours, and he comes back to his disciples. And while he's talking to his disciples in the garden, or he's getting ready to talk to his disciples in the garden, a group of people come to arrest him with clubs and with swords, the Bible says. And it says that in that moment, his disciples who had been with him for three years, who had walked out life with him, who had seen him do miracles, who had seen him touch the lives of people, who had seen him raise the dead, who had heard amazing messages that changed lives, when they saw these men with clubs and swords came, the Bible says that they deserted him. They left him in the garden. I believe that you and I all fall into a category that at times we have deserted the Lord. That at times we have walked away from God, we have left God, we have left walking with Jesus, we have left spending time with him. We all have been in the category of being a deserter of the Lord. You're going to say, no, not me, and I'm going to say, yeah, you and me. In fact, I want to give you uh, five or six possible uh, reasons or popular reasons why we end up deserting the Lord real quick. I know you don't want a history view of your own life, but just hang in there with me for a second. Here's some of the reasons why we end up deserting the Lord. One of those reasons is family. It is hard to stick with our families at times because being with Jesus sometimes causes a conflict. Mom doesn't get it. Dad doesn't get it. We're trying to walk for Christ, and the husband doesn't get it. The wife doesn't get it. And sometimes it becomes this, such a huge frustration that we'll end up leaving the Lord to go in a different direction. We'll end up following family. Sometimes family members pass away, and it is extremely difficult to understand that God is God and he's so powerful, and he's so wonderful, and he's so amazing, but he's let a loved one pass away, someone we cared for, someone we feel that it wasn't their time, someone we feel that they had more to give, and we get frustrated with the Lord, and we leave. Another reason that we leave the Lord is because of failures. Sometimes God is not giving us the blessing that we thought we should have got. We prayed over that job. We prayed over that fiance. We prayed over that husband. We prayed over that wife. And because it didn't work out the way we planned it to, we are utterly frustrated and we find ourselves slowly moving away from what? The Lord. He didn't bless us like we expected him to. We didn't get what we deserved or what we thought we deserved. Sometimes the failure is simply the basic fact that we missed the mark that I didn't mean to talk to that young lady, I didn't mean to talk to that guy, I know I'm married, I know I'm engaged, I know we're in a relationship, and because I started going down a path I had no business going down, I'm here. This is just me talking? Okay. I know that I was supposed to respond in a better way, the right way I was supposed to handle things, a much better way, a much appropriate way, but I didn't, and because I didn't, I started going down this path I had no business, and because of my failure not to, to continue to walk with God, I find myself, what, deserting the Lord. 
finances. Sometimes money gets so tight that we just literally can't. You guys ever been there before? I just can't. I can't, I can't go to, I can't, I can't, I can't go to the mall like I want to. I can't spend my money like I want to. I can't do what I want to do. I can't, my money's so funny. I just don't feel right about life. And after a while, we find ourselves becoming and going through this spiral of depression that all of a sudden we find ourselves deserting the Lord. Some of us get so much money and we start feeling so good and so blessed that why should we give or why should we worry about church? God helped me out when I was down, but now that I'm up, I'm doing great things. I'm doing better and I'm doing better. And we find ourselves doing so much better that we leave the Lord. Not only that, but there's also future we have these plans in our mind. We have these desires in our hearts. We have this goal that we want to reach. And sometimes our goal doesn't seem like it's lining up with where God wants us to go. And so where God wants us to go and where we want to go are in two different directions. And we find ourselves what? Deserting the Lord. Sometimes we just want to have fun. I want to hang out tonight. And I'll go to church tomorrow. I'll go to life group tomorrow. And tomorrow turns until tomorrow, and tomorrow turns into next week, and next week turns into next month, and next month turns into... I haven't been to church in a year. I haven't opened my Bible in dot, dot, dot. This is another reason why we deserve the Lord is because our faith. God puts us in situations where he requires our faith to meet him, his faith to, to line up with his faith. And sometimes we just don't have it. Sometimes we just don't get it. Sometimes we don't want to apply that faith. Sometimes it seems like it's a difficulty for us to join and blend in together to work this faith with his faith, to trust in him and to believe in him. And situations and circumstances don't look like we ought to. And we find ourselves deserting the Lord. You guys with me? One category is that there are people that have deserted the Lord. I'm one of them. Hey, biggest person. Got a t-shirt. Not this one, but another one. <laughs> and it says that we've deserted the Lord. And so he says, I want you to go tell those that have deserted me that I'm here, that I'm going to meet them, that I'm still thinking about them. But there's another group. There's another group, and those are the ones that we call the ones that have denied the Lord. Watch this again. Read this point number two. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He says, I want you to go tell the ones that have deserted me. I also want you to tell the ones that have denied me. If you remember the scriptures in the text, you'll find that the disciples left Jesus. They deserted him in the garden to these robbers, to these uh, people that came to arrest him with these clubs and swords. They take him and they take Jesus to this place where they begin to question him. And outside of the room where they're questioning him, there's Peter who's outside with a group of people warming himself by the fire. And they walk up to him. And they say, hey, you look like one of those Jesus follower kind of guys. And Peter says, no, nah, that ain't me. And they say, another person comes up to him a little bit later while, while Peter's trying to figure out what's going on with Jesus, what's happening in this room, this accusing that is taking place. They come up to him. Somebody else says, you... You, you look like you dress like one of those Jesus people. You know, when you get Jesus in your life, your tire sort of kind of changes just a little. Okay, anyway. So anyway, so <laughs> not everybody. So anyway, they're looking at him, and they say, you look like you dress like these people that, that kind of hang around with Jesus. And he says, nah, I promise you it wasn't me. Denied him again. 
And then they come up to him again. They say, are you sure you're not one of these Jesus guys? And he starts to cuss and fuss and say, no, I promise you, curse word, curse word, curse word does not mean. Didn't even sound right when he cursed. Couldn't even curse right. He'd been with Jesus so long. Couldn't even put his words together right. Bad combination of cuss words. Just horrible with it. And they kind of look at him, and, and when, he, when, he, when he denies him a third time, Jesus looks out the window. This crow starts to crow, and all of the rooster starts to crow, and all of a sudden, it dawns on him that he's denied Jesus. And he rolls out, he runs away, weeping and crying and being upset. There's a lot of us in life that have denied Jesus. Why do we deny Jesus? Here's a few reasons. We deny Jesus because our life is important right now, and we don't have time for that Jesus stuff. My life is important. I'll do it next week. I'll do it tomorrow. I don't have time to submit. I don't have time to the church. All they want is my money. I don't have time for all that stuff in my life. Me, 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 me. And when people come to us and present us the gospel, people come to us and talk to us about this Jesus constantly and consistently, the answer is no. I'll get it later. I'll do it later. I got my own what? Life to live. Not only that, but because of loss, somehow we feel that when life is lost, that it's God's fault. Rarely do we ever give him the praise for when life is given. Rarely do we ever recognize him for the life that we're allowed to live. But when death takes place, then it's his fault. And I want nothing to do with that kind of God. Well, why didn't he get the praise when you were living? Why don't we get the praise when grandma was living or mom was living or dad was living? But when he dies or someone dies, then it's God's fault. It's amazing how we recognize him in our worst parts, but not in our best. And so they deny him, and we deny him. We deny him because we're in love. And love will make you do crazy things, won't it? Love will make you change your whole life and your whole everything. Love will make you leave, folks. And love will make you forget what your mama said about what you shouldn't, who you shouldn't talk to. Love will make you do all kinds of things when you're in love. And when you're in love, you'll mess up your money, you'll mess up your finances, you'll mess up your, your household, you'll mess up your husband, you'll mess up your wife when you're in love. You love your spouse. Hello. All right, it's quiet on that one. We'll love our kids so much, we'll love all these other things and put them above everyone else and everything else, including God. We'll love it so much that we forget who God is. And for some of us, it's lust. Lust of money, lust of being the best, lust over cars. I lust and desire to be the very number one thing. I lust after I want, after I have to have. It has to be me. Go to church. I don't have time for that because I'm trying to live my life. Go find Jesus. I don't have time for that. I'm trying to live my life. Me, me, me. I want, I want, I want, I desire, I desire. All of that is lust. And finally, we deny the Lord because we're lost. Everybody's got a teaching nowadays. Everybody's got a book. Everybody's got some kind of self-help. Jesus over here. Muhammad over there. Everybody's got a religion. Everybody's got a truth. Whose truth is real truth? It's all relative. Ah, blah, blah, blah. We're all lost. And he says, these things are the things that cause us to deny the Lord. These things are the things that cause us to separate from the Lord. These are the things that cause us to turn our hearts and our minds away from the Lord. But I keep reading this scripture. And this scripture says 
that the angel says in 7, but go to his who? Disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will find him. He says specifically that I've risen from the grave, and he doesn't give you all this great, tremendous news about him rising from the grave. What he does say, though, is though I've risen from the grave, I want to leave a message for everyone that's deserted me and for everyone that's denied me. I specifically want you to know that I am still thinking about you. That the moment I came out of the grave, the message I left behind was that there was people that deserted me and people that denied me, and you are the most important thing. And so when you get to me, understand I am still madly and passionately in love with you because you are mine. Regardless if you left me or you never claimed me, you're important to me. And from the grave, he says, and leaves a message, I'm thinking about you. What I love about this passage of Scripture, what seems to stick out to me the most about this passage of Scripture, is for the ones that have deserted the Lord. They kind of make me think that they're the ones that may have had a relationship with him, but they left him. Are you guys with me? These disciples were with him for three years. They saw what he did, but life took place. Something happened, and they what? Deserted him. And so he says to them, tell the disciples, the ones who have deserted me, the ones that used to believe, the ones that used to follow, the ones that used to hang with me, I want them. Y'all with me? But then he says to the ones that have deserted me, and go tell who? Peter. He makes a distinction because Peter is supposed to be a disciple. But he specifically says, tell who? Peter. Matthew 10 says that if you deny me before men, I will deny you, is what Scripture says. Scripture says that if you are not able to recognize me, if you're not willing to claim me, then I won't claim you before the Lord. If you want to say you have no relationship with me, then I have no relationship with you. And so when Peter denies Jesus one, two, three times in front of all of these people, it shows that there's a definite separation there. And so what Jesus does is he says, to all of those that deserted me, come back to me, I love you. For all of those that have denied me, I am specifically putting an invitation out for you specifically to come back to me. Do y'all catch the difference? My believers, come back to me. Those that deny me, come to me. Peter, James, John, Mike, Mark, look, Brian, come back to me. And so he does something specific. He calls out the name. Because Jesus is calling us to come back to us, but sometimes you got to put a special invitation out. How many of y'all ever been in trouble before? I won't look. How many of y'all been in trouble before? So my mother decided to join us for Easter. Hey, mama. Let me explain to you about trouble. Mama can tell it a whole lot better. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm acting crazy and silly and foolish, she says, son, baby, come here. Let me talk to you real quick. When I was a young man, I was a young kid. I'd run around and, oh, I'm wild and crazy and loose. And she said, boy, let me talk to you real quick. Brian, come here. Let me talk to you real quick. I'm running around the house kicking over stuff. Brian, come here. But 
When my mother would say, Brian Michael. Yeah, y'all know. When Brian Michael, when my middle name is followed after my first name, everything freezes. Oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. I'm a grown man. And my wife says, babe, babe, I love you, babe, babe, babe. And when I do something wrong, Brian. Man, what did I do? I'm going for a ride. When you hear your name as something significant, it draws your attention. And so Jesus doesn't just say all the disciples, but he says the one that literally has denied me and Peter is a specific invitation. And you and I need to recognize that God is giving us, for some of us, a very specific invitation to join him. A very specific invitation that I desire you. A very specific invitation that I love you. A very specific invitation that regardless of what you've done, how you've done it, who you've done it with, and how many times you've done it, I still love you. It's an invitation that you don't get from everybody. Because not everybody can love you when you're a mess. Not everybody can love you when you've fallen away, when you've slipped away, when you've done your own thing, when you've gone away from God. Not everybody can love you. But the God of the universe, his first message, his first signal, his first flash, his first light bulb, his first attention getter, was not how painful it was on the cross, not how I'm here, not how I'm back, baby. His first message was, go tell those that have deserted me and those that have denied me that I want to meet with you. And the question that's on the table today is, how much longer will you wait for the God of the universe to give you an extra invitation? He is calling you from the grave. He's calling you from eternity. He's calling you from this moment. He's calling you right now. That regardless of what you've done and how you've done it, no matter where you left me at, I still desire you. No matter how many times you've turned your back on me or walked away from me, I still desire you. You are important to me. I, I value you. I love you. I believe you. I trust in you. Even though you've done whatever you've done, you can still come back to me. I want, I love, I need, I want to meet with you. Jesus is calling. <laughs> Happens every time. <laughs> The God of the universe took enough time to mention your name. The God of the universe desires you enough to give you another message. I'm sure there's been some crazy lady in the grocery store that said something that's reminded you of God. I'm sure there's some parent, there's some annoying kid, there's something that's happened in life that has started to bring a little sparkle back into your head about the Lord of the universe. And if you don't take anything away from this message, if you don't take anything away from what I'm trying to tell you today, your takeaway is simply this. Jesus desires you. Jesus wants you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is waiting on you.
when Jesus sent this message out to the disciples, they were huddled up hiding. He didn't care about their state. He didn't care about their condition. He didn't care about their past issues. All he wanted was them. He doesn't care about where you are in life. He doesn't care about your finances. He doesn't care about your relationships, your broken promises. He doesn't care about your attitudes. He doesn't care about your broken ways. The only thing he cares about is you. And he wants and he is desiring and he is hungering to be with you. Let's pray. Father God, in this moment, Let this be the point where we recognize the importance of life change. Let this be the moment where it does not matter what we've done, how we've done it, how we got here. Let us get back to you. Whether we have strayed away tremendously for months, years, weeks, or hours, bring our full and total heart into surrender to you. Let the wives and the husbands join together in unity. Let children that have refused to talk or accept or take phone calls humble themselves back to their parents. Let those that fight with addiction, those that fight with struggle, pornography, alcoholism, drug abuse, no matter how far and deep we're in it, that you still call us to come back to you where there's hope and official love, and true love, and true strength, and true power, and true authority. And Father, let us surrender and submit to your will in every way. For us that have defined ourselves by our finances, and by our clothes, and by our attire, let us now be defined by you. Change this heart, O oh God. Change this mind. Let me surrender and submit to be the man and the woman of God you desire. Jesus desires you. At the end of this service, we're going to have some leaders up front. I'll be one of them. If you want to talk, if you want to pray, if you need some instruction, if you need guidance, if you're not from this area but you need a church, we will plant you in one. We'll tell you where to go. We'll connect with you. We want you to have the relationship that God desires. You want to be a person here in that church, there's a church that's great, but if we can get you plugged in and connected to God, that's even better. If you think we want your money, keep it in your pocket. We want you to be saved. We want you to be in relationship. We're going to have leaders up here in the front that are more than glad to meet with you after service because we care about God the God of the universe that is calling you back to him. And if you think your money or your giving is tied to that, keep it. We want you tied to something greater than your bucks. We want you to be tied to the father of the universe that will bring you peace, direction, and life. As the band plays, pray and open up your hearts for the Lord to lead you. In Jesus' name, amen.